We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. Let's say you make it to the top. What's next? Relish in the glory of your accomplishments? Okay, sure, for a minute. But then you move forward. Take the 2021 Escalade. Cadillac's newest arrival is more than just a celebration of iconic luxury. It's the most technologically advanced Escalade ever. Because arriving is just the beginning. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is our 20th episode of the year already. Can't believe it. 20 episodes in. I am Derek C. Apollo here with the Clutch Points Director of Content, Dylan Reagan. And today, folks, we're going to look at some of the weirdness making its rounds in Rams Nation. Um, it's not the same as last week. Last week, I was solely after some of the sports media. I am a little bit this week, but more along the lines of countering some arguments and just bringing some facts in there because we are seeing some crazy 
crazy stuff going around in Rams social media, on Twitter, on various Facebook groups. So we want to address some of that. But first, Dylan, how are you, man? Uh, doing well. Excited for free agency to kick off pretty soon. I'm uh, enjoying having my weekends back after the Super Bowl. Still have the AAF if I need to get my football fix, uh, <laughs> even if the product's a bit different. But yeah, overall, everything's going great. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't actually bored with the AAF. I, I actually enjoyed it, believe it or not. It was a little weird. The, the quality wasn't that bad. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't catch as much as I had hoped to, uh, but I did catch some clips here and there. I, the big thing I kind of gathered from Twitter was it's a lot of quality players. Obviously, from the, if you watch a lot of college football, but still the quarterback play is going to be a tier below. There's a reason these guys don't have NFL jobs, so that's one thing. But nonetheless, still an enjoyable product, and uh, I think it's not just going to be the hype of one weekend. I think it can sustain at least at a some level and excited to see some of these markets that don't have professional football teams or professional sports teams whatsoever and see how they interact. I, I believe San Antonio had a pretty big crowd. I'm sure San Diego is going to come out uh, in big numbers after <laughs> just to kind of prove a point to stick it to the chargers. But yeah, excited for that to at least have some football in these uh, months that are usually slow for us. It did bother me though. They, they actually put, some teams in NFL franchise areas like Atlanta, Atlanta. and mm-hmm. Arizona go go put teams in other areas, man. Get expose the game to more and more cities, and you never know what's going to happen. I would like to I would like to see a team out in Portland just to see how the fans out there react. Sacramento was a team that had one of the old WLAF. So other cities that don't have the sport right now, it would be nice to see where they are with their fan bases because. You never know down the line. You just never know where mm-hmm. those markets might be needed. So that's my one little gripe. Overall, the quality I thought was pretty good. And, and hey, you know what else is pretty neat too? The re- instant replay. You actually can go in the booth and hear these guys reason it out. Oh, there's a lady too. It was a lady. Mm-hmm. And so they can go in there and talk it through and we're listening to the whole thing. That was neat. I really enjoyed that part at least. Yeah, could you imagine that in the NFL? That would be <laughs> – I'm uh, not sure if they're quite, a, quite a ready to do that. Uh, but yeah, no, that was a cool uh, feature, definitely, and I like just how open they've been with the commercial break. Like, everything's kind of, they're kind of addressing or trying to counter some of the issues people have brought up with the NFL themselves, which is a interesting approach. And like you mentioned, Portland, I do think that would have been a perfect uh, city, given what they've done with uh, some of the, they have a hockey team, I believe a minor league hockey team, the Portland Timbers for the MLS, and obviously the Blazers. They've proven to be quite a, uh, dedicated fan base and really supportive of teams up there. Um, but yeah, still excited about, I guess, places like Memphis, which, yes, they have the Grizzlies, but no, uh, Nashville's pretty far. And then you got Birmingham, uh, San Antonio, the Spurs, but they've always tried to get an NFL team and haven't been able to. So excited for those cities. Un- unlike Atlanta, for example, which, yeah, the- you know, it's hard to expect fans of the Falcons that are in that city to also fork out money, which I'm sure it's not too expensive for tickets, but nonetheless, it's a lot of uh, football and, you know, yeah, would have liked to see other cities be involved. Well, I think for Atlanta though, with, with the, with the Hawks being as bad as they are, it might be a fit this year, but the Hawks turn around. That's the, that's the time of year. The Braves are starting up soon. 
I mean, eventually mm-hmm. these guys are all going to go away and go back to the sports that are actually in the major sports during during the regular season. They can get away with it now because the Hawks are horrible. But that will always be the case. At least we would think that wouldn't always be the case. Right. Hawks did beat the Lakers. <laughs> and gosh, don't remind me of that. And that was that 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 really has. Geez, this, we were we're going to go on the uh, the Clutch Points podcast and just ram on the Lakers for that one. Oh yeah. Oh geez, he's got Walton's got to go at this point. I just okay. This is a Rams podcast, so so we got to move on. We're gonna. Well, we're going to bore you quickly. Folks, before we get knee-deep into today's show, we do want to remind you that we're available anywhere podcasts can be found, including Spotify, SoundCloud, Spreaker. Also, you'll find our podcast list with our new partners with their clutch points. They feature an awesome app that puts loads of NBA and NFL information at your fingertips. So check them out at clutchpoints.com or download their app. Which, by the way, Dylan, are they ever going to do baseball or hockey or anything? Or is this just a a two-sport thing right now? We have baseball uh, scores in the app and stats, but we, we do have some editorial content for the MLB. It's not within the app quite yet. But, yeah, we're looking to eventually add, you know, hockey, college football, basketball, yeah, like pretty much every sport. It's just more of scaling up, starting with these two big sports where we can kind of show what we're able to do. And then once we get those products to a good spot, then add other ones. But we do have baseball within the app, so if you do want to follow for scores, all the – tweets to get pulled and highlights and everything like that we do have that available i believe starting opening day i'm not sure if it'll be uh up to date for uh spring training so there you go folks see i'm i gotta push them a little bit they're they're good their job nba and nfl stuff on clutch points has been fantastic i should know because i write for them sometimes it's just same all right also don't forget to subscribe to us on itunes leave a five-star review also anywhere else you may listen to us stitcher Please, as to your favorites, and subscribe. It really helps us out. And don't forget the other shows on our network, Rampage Radio, Butting Heads, and soon, and soon, folks, Norm will have a new show that will simply focus on breaking down film, which is something we've seen a lot of demand for, more and more X and O's football, and we're going to bring that to you. One more thing, and I know this is kind of a long intro today, I put out a short marketing survey to look at ideas that help our podcast continue to grow over the next year. So please check it out either on Facebook or Twitter. It would mean a lot to us if we can get some honest feedback. It's really about uh, being able to support the podcast uh, into the future because we put a lot of work in. It's a lot of time, and it needs to actually grow or else, uh, well, we're in trouble. So there you go. All right, so Dylan, we discussed this last week, but it's making its rounds on social media. It's blowing my mind. There are still those out there that believe that Todd Gurley could still be traded. And so we pulled up the spot track stats on him in terms of the the contract stats. And we were talking about this a little before the show. The number is 16.8 if traded before. Is it post June 1st or before June 1st? Before June 1st. Before June 1st. It's still 16.8 if it's after June 1st. It's just broken up a bit between 2019 and 2020 with well, much more in 2020 for the dead cap hit. So, And then afterwards, it's even crazier because you think that's the only time, really, they're talking about trading Gurley. Well, in 2020, the dead cap hit isn't much better. Um, 12.6 overall, then you add the trade in 8.4. So really, the, the soonest you can actually do a, a trade with him and not – take too much of a hit on your dead cap is going to be 2022. That's the Rams potential out 2022. That's bananas. Again, the contract details for him 
If you think the Rams are trading him, you're crazy. It's not going to happen. But for some reason, we're still seeing this. And I, I have to ask this question because it's really bothering me. Why in the world would the Rams trade one of the best running backs in the game? I mean, that's a big question in itself beyond just the actual numbers. Why give up one of the most explosive, when healthy offensive players in the entire NFL when your offense as a whole is functioning at its best when he's in there doing his thing? But, yeah, when you look into the numbers, when you think about how much cap space they have overall to take on 16.8 million in dead cap just this year, like say goodbye to bringing back any of the pending free agents they have. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. cutting deeply, like more than half of the available cap space they currently have. So it's just, there's not really, (laughs) it just doesn't make any fundamental sense. You could start to formulate some sort of, argument maybe after the 2020 season when according to these spot track stats they could have some cap savings there'd still be a lot of dead cap but uh a post uh june 1st trade in 2020 for example would lead to 5.5 million in cap savings so if you wanted to go that route that's maybe where you could begin your your uh, point but that's still two seasons away right like that's not anywhere close to now it's also such an overreaction to just the last couple weeks and what happened in the nfc title game the super bowl to go from people talking about him as an mvp candidate just in 2017 sure and you know at points in 2018 to this it's just kind of uh, it's it's tough to really fathom and it's i uh, you gotta as a rams fan you gotta trust that Les need and mcveigh aren't gonna think on these kind of terms they're much more stable minds than some of those you'll find on twitter and whatnot I think most Rams fans who are least aware of the numbers will dismiss it, but there are those who are, you know, the casual fans who don't really pay that close um, to that close attention to the ins and outs of a contract. And so this this message is really for them. Okay, folks, he's not going anywhere. And if they did by chance, you, you this would be an embarrassment for your organization. The Rams paid him massive amounts of money. He responded by playing much of the season hurt. I mean, we know he got hurt, what, first four games to hurt that knee? Mm-hmm. So how awful would the Rams look if they then turn around and trade him? What kind of organization would we be covering if they would give up on him that easily when he played hurt for them through most of the year? Yeah, I mean, that would counteract everything they've done with the culture they've created since. I mean, you can go back if you want to say since – uh, Jeff Fisher was on board, but really under uh, Sean McVay, that would completely counter how they've been able to make players feel valued, make it feel kind of like a true family. And even when guys had to be cut like Brown last year when they uh, traded for Fowler, he's, they still made it clear like he was a professional about the whole process. They went, like followed up after he'd been with the Giants for a few weeks, seeing how he was doing. So they've really, even guys that they do have to move on from, they make it clear that it's not that they on a personal level. It's all kind of on the business side. So on a personal and a business side, this doesn't make sense. So <laughs> this isn't something we should be worried about. And as I just touched on, the whole thing about uh, McVeigh and Snead not being the kind of guys that are going to overreact to you know a small sample size with a, such a drastic move like this, it just none of it would really add up to what we've learned about these two men since they've been with the franchise well you can look at the past 
Rams moves under Les Snead and Sean McVay, and that would be last year when they moved Robert Quinn, who was at this point clearly unhappy with how the Rams were using him. He wasn't functioning as well in there, and he, quite frankly, he wanted to be back on the East Coast. So in that respect, that trade made sense. With Alec Ogletree, it was, it was strictly football. The guy was not saying leader in the locker room. It hurt the team to lose him. Uh, but with the modified 3-4 that they were trying to play, basically the 4-3 modification, um, he didn't fit, which is amazing because the Giants went and played a 3-4 this year, and he had his issues out there as well. So, you know, those moves made sense in terms of making the team better, mm-hmm. not in any kind of way to be personal. I don't see how this team is better by trading Gurley. But first, because you mentioned it, they're, they're going to cut their cap space in half. So who can they sign? And then the second <laughs> part is he's, he's freaking Todd Gurley. You're not who he's t- a top three running back in the league. Might be the best on any given mm-hmm. day. It just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, no, and I mean, even with all those moves that you mentioned last year, on top of the fact that they were in tune kind of with the defense that they have and uh, with under Wade Phillips and trying to fit the scheme, you kind of saw a culmination with that in the Super Bowl with how they were able to hold uh, Patriots offense to, you know, 13 points through uh, despite going three and out, despite being on the field constantly. Um, and on top of that, all, between all those moves, the dead cap, uh, hit for last year, according to OverTheCap.com, was just over 16 million. So Gurley on by himself would eclipse that. At the moment, uh, according to OverTheCap, the Rams' dead cap for next season is just over 500k, 516,000. So I mean, they need every dollar they can get they to bring back guys like Sue Fowler. I mean, you know, you're not going to be able to bring back everyone, but some, you know, between all of them. The offensive line, which the stability there is, you could argue, is one of the most important uh, things they need to address to make sure they keep that together, which is going to be tough given some of the ages of those guys, and hopefully we'll have Whitworth back. But nonetheless, every cap dollar is needed to make this work, and uh, you just can't deal with that much dead cap space. And we're going to see some cuts. It's not going to be 32. They're going to cut a couple guys here and there. I wouldn't be surprised if Sully got cut. He's He was uh, struggling at times this year, and they're probably going to try and find somebody younger, maybe see if Brian Allen's ready to step in at center. I wouldn't be surprised to see you know a couple of other players as well. I'm thinking of Barron, Mark Barron being gone. I, I don't see him being around next year. I think we could see Micah Kaiser move into that role. I think they spent most of the year this year grooming him to eventually move in. It's kind of like what they what the Rams did the seventh with Nolan Cromwell. They have to sit and, and work special teams for a year and learn how it's done and then step in with Michael Kaiser. I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. He's a better run stopper. And quite frankly, Mark has a, a very, very helpful contract if you want to cut somebody. That's mm-hmm. just what it is. So it might be his time. And, folks, we're going to talk more about the free just at the end of the podcast. We're going to start delving into that. We're going to kind of transition to that today. But we still have more to talk to you about. First, we do want to remind you that, hey, we have a great sponsor by the name of Jim Hawk. His, te- his book, Hollywood's Teen Grit Glam of the 1950s Los Angeles Rams, tells the story of the 1950s Rams to the lens of Jim's dad, John, who was an offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. Check out his son's story of his father and the team he played for in an era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers. 
rebound players like Norm Van Brocklin, Elroy, Crazy's Hirsch, Tom Fears, and Les Richter in this story spanning the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. You can find Hawks book online at hallwasteam.com and on Twitter at hallwasteam. It's available both in hardback and electronic form at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. You can also find Team through various other booksellers on the internet. Folks, I'm telling you, I've read cover to cover. It's worth every penny for all you Rams fans out there. It's also a great story about a person's father and the legacy he left behind. Trust me, check it out. Jim Hawksbill, Cowboys team, grit, glamour, and 1950s Los Angeles Rams. Oh, and one more thing. All proceeds go to charity in SoCal. So you're helping a great cause and reading a great book at the same time. Okay. You ready, Dylan? Yes, sir. All right. So Matt Harmon, the Yahoo Sports football analyst there, recently polled fans on Twitter with this question. How much better... Is Jared Goff than Andy Dalton? Did you see that before I showed it to you today? No, I did not. I had not uh, come across that earlier. I do follow Matt, but I did not see that. What was your fir- what were well? Now you've seen it. What were your first thoughts? Um, I mean, I can. I guess I understand just from perspective of how people perceive Goff. Maybe just given his situation under McVeigh and. I don't. I don't think he's a system quarterback, obviously, but though that's still that still prevails among some people, fans of other teams mostly. Um, so I, you know, it's the, it's going back to the argument that in this system, who could succeed, right? Like who could put up similar numbers? And so Andy Dalton's kind of like a buzz quarterback name for like a type of guy that's like good but not great. Um, so that's I think where he's measuring how people felt. But uh, I mean, I know you're going to go into the results from it. But yeah, I, I mean, it's just kind of a way to stir up conversation at this point in the off season. I guess I'm guessing that's the whole point of it, though. Well, yeah, it is going to be the point of the conversation. But I, I look at it and go, it's you know, I'm not sure if it's a fair argument to have. And the reason why I don't think it's fair is you're talking about now somebody who is a 31-year-old season veteran who plays for an organization that has failed time and time again to properly support both its coaching staff and its players. I'm talking about the Bengals. Okay. Meanwhile, you have Goff, who is just now getting ready to turn 24. He just finished his second full season as a starter, has a high support of coaching staff and front office. So I'm not even sure how you can make that comparison now. They're in two totally different situations, two totally different points in their career. And, you know, one guy is taking his team to a Super Bowl. The other guy's never won a playoff game. So how do you make that comparison? Isn't there yeah, something I mean, better you can compare with? On top of that, and to your point about the whole age thing, I, I forgot how old Andy was. He was turned 24 during his rookie year. Goff turned 24 during this past season, his third season. So, I mean, yeah, it's it's difficult to make the comparison for all the reasons you mentioned with the system Goff's in and what – Andy Dalton dealt with but these I mean they did have that one season I guess what was it 2015 where before Andy gets hurt in week 15 or 14 whatever it was people did think the Bengals finally were going to win a playoff game under Marvin Lewis unfortunately they weren't able to do so for them with uh uh blanking now on the quarterback that was in for him mm-hmm. from AJ I think it was AJ McCarron uh but yeah anyway it's it's completely different situations. Complete the NFL itself with some of the rule changes over the last few years uh, that the Rams do a great job of 
really taken advantage of over the middle of some of the route concepts I do. Uh, there's just so many different factors. It's not, I, it's just kind of a tough idea to, for me to wrap my head around. It's just too many different variables on each side to really be like, all right, what would Andy do have done if he was this age at this time with this system? Well, the only thing they had in common between their rookie years here, for example, is Andrew Whitworth played for both teams. Okay, <laughs> Whitworth was thirty then, but you can look at that Bengals roster and in Dalton's rookie season when he was twenty-four. Cedric Benson ran for over a thousand yards that year. AJ Green was a rookie, caught sixty-five passes for a thousand seven yards. Jerome Simpson was a solid guy to have, caught fifty passes. Jermaine Gresham had a nice year at tight end, fifty-six catches for. 596 yards. I mean, that's a, that's some that's a nice collection of offensive talent in the starter position for Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not this now compared to what the Rams have. Jared Goff's first year, which I, you know we can say right now, it's a train wreck. Outside of outside of Todd Gurley, who was locked up behind that middle school offense, I just look at it and go, you can't really compare it. If you look at the stats, if you look at Jared Goff's first full season, just for even first three seasons now, it's much, much different. The numbers across the board don't match up. So why are you using that why are you using that comparison? I guess you're trying to spark conversation, like you said, but it doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense to me. For example, uh, Dalton, his first three seasons, uh, 20 touchdown passes, 13 interceptions, 27 and 16, 33 and 20. Completion percentage, 58%, 62%, 62%. Uh, quarterback rating, just rating, 88, sorry, 87, 88. Then QBR, 46, 47.7, and 51. Then you go look at Goff. Do you have Goff's numbers there? Yes. Okay, so take a look at Goff's. What is, how, does it, how do his numbers compare, especially after season one? I mean, yeah, from his first year as a full starter, uh, completion rate was the one thing that was similar with 62. He had uh, 3,800 yards, 28 TDs, and 7 picks. And you go into rating 100.5 this year, a little bit better in rating 100.1. Yards jumped from up to uh, 4,600, basically 4,700. 32 touchdowns and 12 picks. The, I mean, obviously the interception figure is such a crucial one here. And it's, it's crazy looking at some of those numbers that Dalton had his fourth year especially I, I just caught my eye that he had 19 touchdowns and 17 picks and they still went 10-5-1 and one. It, <laughs> it's kind mm-hmm. of uh, crazy just to fathom that but I mean as much as uh, Goff has been criticized at times for his ability to protect the ball more more of that I guess comes when he's hitting the pocket uh, not having two hands on it and whatnot but nonetheless still those interception numbers are staggering the the touchdown to interception uh, ratio that does not match up at all. And it's also, I mean, we're looking at seasons one, two, three for Dalton. I mean, like we, you just mentioned before, he was 27 by year four. Goff's not going to turn 25 until partway through this uh, coming season. So it's just, there's so many things that don't really square up on each side. And I, I mean, what the Rams, I mean, the Bengals somewhat complimentary football, right? With what they're doing, but it's still a different idea with the way that McVay and the Rams have approached the game from an offensive perspective. And so with that in mind, I just don't see how it's a fair comparison to make. I'm not, even, I'm not sure why we're seeing this whole 
movement to hit golf at every step. Yeah, I can go back, and I, this is before, I, I think you're, I'm pretty sure you're significantly younger than I am. Okay, but I remember when Steve Young, and I was very young here, don't, don't, don't think I'm 80 years old and ancient, but I remember when Steve Young was playing for the Bucks. okay? And I remember that dude running for his life as a quarterback of the Buccaneers. He goes to the 49ers, takes over Joe Montana, look who, look who he becomes, one of the best to play the game. It's all about the situation you're in. If Jared Goff is getting hit and he's running for his life, well, is he going to look good? Is any quarterback going to look good? The Rams hit Tom Brady quite a bit. You know, Tom Brady didn't look all that good in the Super Bowl. He really didn't. His defense saved him. Am I wrong? No, I mean, <laughs> circumstances are always going to impact how we feel about quarterbacks. I mean, you could take Joe Montana, any any all-time great, and put them in – dire circumstances and they're gonna they're not gonna be able to succeed i mean this is a team sport it's the ultimate team sport in my opinion with so many moving parts having to operate efficiently for the whole overall product to do well and you see if one or two leaks come here and there in certain games a potent offense like the rams is going to falter and the patriots as well so yeah it's it's unfair. I mean, you look at what Goff did. That's like exactly what you see with Goff in year one with the circumstances he had under that offense. And then the last, the past two seasons, especially this year, any quarterback's going to look completely different when their circumstances are that much better. Um, so, yeah, you're, you're exactly right on that. I just don't, I don't see why folks are going out of the way to do this. I, I guess you can question, you know, I saw, uh, what's his name? From ESPN, not ESPN anymore. He's with Undisputed with Shannon Sharp. What's the other guy's name? No one likes him. Uh, Skip Bayless. Skip, Skip Bayless. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, making the argument that uh, that Dak Prescott's better. You know what? I'm more willing to have that conversation. They're they're the same age group. They have had their struggles. Let's have that conversation. I'm not sure this one works. Yeah, those. I mean. Some of the takes they have on those shows, I don't know how much they actually believe what they're saying or if they're just trying to get listens. But, yeah, I, I, at least if in that circumstance. But then again, you, you're comparing two guys in completely different systems. I Like if, say, in the Cowboys-Rams uh, playoff game this season, I, I'm curious if just, I mean, you could never do this, but in a vacuum, you switch the coaching staffs and you have the offensive approach that the Cowboys have with our team and McVeigh and that those minds with the with the Cowboys. I mean, I don't know. It, you, then you have the ability to see what each guy can do in those systems, but it's still based on your teammates, a lot of other factors. So uh, even that conversation is hard for me to kind of wrap my head around, just because we don't really know what Dak would look like under Sean and what Goff would look like with what. Jason Garrett and the uh, Cowboys do there. Ooh, you make a you you raise a good question here. So let me ask you. Let's flip those coaching staffs. Sean McVay and his staff go coach in Dallas. Jason Garrett's coaching in L.A. How's that game go this year? In your uh, opinion? Oh, I I don't think the uh, Cow- Cowboys get ripped up inside the same way the Rams did. I don't know if I, I know after the game. I believe it was from the Athletic. I'm not positive 
which writer was reporting on it. Um, they talked to John Sullivan and Rams offensive lineman, and they talked about how just based on the splits that the Cowboys were taking, they could see exactly where they were going to mm-hmm. kind of pin their rushes, and they were countering that consistently. And as a result, you saw those gaping holes that C.J. Anderson and both and uh, Gurley were able to take advantage of. So I don't think I think that part of the game doesn't change. I don't think the Rams are shoving it through uh, Wade Phillips and that defense the whole game. Um, otherwise, I, I don't even know how <laughs> how that system would look with with Goff and the Rams offense. I I, I do think the coaching is, was the difference in that game. So I, I do think it could have been flipped the other direction. Not because I think Dak is better than Goff. I do not, but I do think that is kind of the discrepancy in coaching between what Dallas has at the moment and uh, the Rams. I mean, I think it matters. Definitely. The, the idea that what Sean McVay has brought to the Rams overall. And again, this, this, we can take this back to all the people who were hating on Sean McVay after the Super Bowl loss. And we saw a lot of that calling him overrated. Dude just lost to like the best coach in history. And you're going to criticize him as being overrated. It's nuts. But, I think Dallas wins that game if Sean McVay and his staff are there. Mm-hmm. They're more creative. We've seen Jason Garrett's staff in, in action for years now. They can play some good defensive football, but they're never very creative offensively. They basically depend on Ezekiel Elliott for everything. And if he gets shut down, they get shut down. So I'm not sure that you can even make it a fair argument to say that Sean McVay's team wouldn't win because – he he makes sure he gets the ball around. Basically, the, the ball goes to everybody. Everybody's involved. So there you go. That's there's my argument. I'm sticking to it. <laughs> I'm sticking to it. It's a, the what ifs. The the uh, the whole what's it called? What's the word I'm looking for tonight? The hypothetical. The hypo- yes. what if? What if? All right, well, folks, I can tell you what will happen if you go out to Golden Ram Barbershop, though. If you go to the Golden Ram Barbershop, you'll get yourself a sweet haircut. And in the old school barbershop experience, check out the Golden Ram Barbershop, 13755 Golden West Street in Westminster, California. Sal Martinez opened up his shop as a shrine to the Rams on the day the team left for St. Louis and has kept the light on ever since. He's by appointment only, so give him a call at 714-894-RAMS or 7267. Use the promo code Talk so he knows we sent you and get a discount on already affordable haircut. The Golden Ram Barbershop is open Monday through Friday. 8 and 6 p.m. and Saturday 7 and 4 p.m. One more time, give Sal a call at 714-894-7267. A visit to his shop is worth it. It's like a Hall of Fame in the Rams. If you want the old school experience of getting the conversation, talking football, looking at all the memorabilia there, it's it's special. I'm just telling you it's special. And he even managed to make my hair look reasonably decent, which is miracle in itself. So there you go. Check it out. All right. So... Dylan, another conversation, and this came from a fansided.com, at the SI.com, the carry fansided, uh, the Ramblin' fan, which we, is basically a fan a fan article section. And a gentleman there made the argument that the Rams could take could use these pieces to take a shot at getting Antonio Brown. Those names include Brandon Cooks, Michael Brockers, Marcus Peters, and Robert Woods. Now, he didn't suggest trading all of them for Antonio Brown, by the way. But those are the four names he mentioned could be used in, well, in a play for Brown. How do you feel about that? I mean, 
it just goes back into everything we've talked about with Gurley the past uh, couple weeks. Um, I know you mentioned in our notes about Brandon Cooks, his dead cap hit at $32 million, <laughs> which is absurd. I mean, we could just on from the Steelers' perspective, uh, Antonio Brown at his age, age 32, has a dead cap hit, I believe, over $20 million. They'd barely be saving anything. You'd be giving up one of the best receivers, albeit with all his – off uh, off the field issues, you'd be giving up that that guy for cap saving of one million if they just traded before March seventeenth of this year. Then you're losing money if you trade him after that. Dead cap hits of twenty one million goes up to twenty three point six million if he's traded after uh, three seventeen, and then from uh, June first on, it's a little bit better. So uh, if if you're going to see a trade for Antonio Brown, it's probably going to come after June 1st, just based on what I see on spot track. But nonetheless, from <laughs> doesn't really solve any issues, doesn't really change anything from the Rams' perspective, especially with those guys. I mean, we've seen how critical Robert Woods is to everything the Rams do on offense, not just as a uh, pass-catching receiver, but blocking and his uh, commitment to everything they preach in terms of mm-hmm. being a team player, downfield blocking, run blocking, everything. He gets gets in there dirty, and Brandon Cooks is kind of bought into that same approach as well. So there's number issues. There's uh, issues with scheme, with everything that they've kind of built this team around. Um, uh, Marcus Peters, obviously people were critical of him this season at times and well-deserved for some of the things that happened. But he did play you know, much of the season with a nagging Achilles injury, if I'm not mistaken. And he did, at certain points, step up, and especially in the uh, Super Bowl, look, pretty solid made some huge uh breakups down the field um michael brockers you see in the rams falcons playoff game last year how huge losing him was to that defense when atlanta was able to kind of just run gaining like five six yards every play and kind of take control of the clock with the lead so you're giving up guys that are here for a reason for someone who uh, when you don't have any locker room issues like i mean the rams I mean, you don't hear the same kind of things that are coming out of Pittsburgh. It just doesn't make sense on any level from my perspective for the Rams to try to trade for Antonio Brown. There are far more franchises that make more sense in my eyes that could pursue him if the Steelers do find up, eventually pull the trigger on uh, making a deal. Well, I'll say this outright. I don't think Brown gets traded. I might be wrong. I think the money is too much of a problem. I think when... As time goes on and they have a hard time really choking down the idea of that dead cap hit and letting go of their best offensive player in the receiving game, I just don't see how they let him go. I may be wrong. I could be in a few weeks. I could be saying, whoop, up. I'm caught. I called it wrong. I mean, it wouldn't be the first time. But monetarily, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense for the Steelers to trade him. It makes more sense for him to get locked in a room with Ben Roethlisberger and these two hashing out. That's mm-hmm. what makes more sense. You're losing Le'Veon Bell, too. So you're going to lose your two best offensive skill players. It just doesn't make sense to me. You know, so that, and it's really weird that we would have this conversation with the Steelers because the Steelers, for the longest time, have been like the class organization in the NFL. But in the last two years, it's become a soap opera. It's mind-blowing to me that that's where it's gone to. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's just kind of my view on it. You mentioned Marcus Peters. Uh, can you tell me a game when Talib was there with him where Peters played bad? 
Not off the top of my head, no. I can't think of one either. I think having to leave there as that tandem really worked for Peters, and I don't, and I think that's part. That would be part of the Rams' plan. The Rams at the quarterback position after next year are in huge trouble. We expect them to invest very soon in corners because if they don't re-sign Peters, pretty much they have like one guy under contract after next year. Okay, um, Brockers, like you mentioned, he's just a great piece that that puzzle. All these guys are are key for how the Rams are built for next year. They're part of the nucleus. Why would you trade them for a 32-year-old diva? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't see it happening for everything we mentioned. Um, it's just from every perspective that I can kind of take of it, like trying to make it work in my mind, I can't do those mental gymnastics <laughs> to yeah. uh, get to a place where I'm like, all right, yeah, that, that works. No, and it's Brandon- stuff that's not going to happen. Sure, and Brandon Cooks with a thirty-two point zero five dead cap. I'm not sure how it is with with trades, but it's going to be huge. Like you're not going to move him. Like, why even bring Cooks? As, Cooks was your leading receiver this year, and he was a perfect fit for this offense. Why would you trade them? Why would you trade him? Guy is a, a model citizen, always doing the right thing for the team, wants to be there, and yet you trade him. He's twenty four years old. There's no logic there for a thirty two year old diva. And that was even brought up, I think, to McVeigh just because Cooks, what, the last, you know, three straight year or two straight years, what, he was traded from New Orleans to the Patriots and then the Patriots to the Rams after quality seasons. So McVeigh, I think, during media day, one of the Super Bowl media availabilities was asked about uh, Cooks, and he was, like, j- like jokingly because he's like, this is ridiculous, like, we're not going to trade him. So it became, like, a headline. But his point, the question wasn't really – asking like legitimately if he was going to be moved it was kind of like everyone just calm down cooks isn't going to go uh, have a three-peat of trades uh <laughs> but as you mentioned the dead cap hit is absurd it's it's they they if they put like i just pulled up his spot track uh, information if he was traded before the 15th they'd have cap savings of negative seven million this is after negative dead cap seven. and his contract hit and then between March 15th and June 1st it's almost 34 million in negative cap savings because the dead cap's 49 million and that's counteracted with this cap hit of 15 so it goes down and then if he's traded after June 1st the cap saving is negative 16 million it's just none of it it's not he's not like we talk about Gurley being untradeable Cooks's contract for the Rams is incredibly uh, like impossible to possibly think he's being moved there's no way that would happen. I think there has to be kind of a rule of thumb if you are if you know the game. And we don't ever hear anybody say it. So let's set the rule of thumb for the Rams Talk Radio podcast. The rule of thumb is when it comes to the offseason, if your guy just signed an extension, he's not going anywhere. <laughs> it makes sense. Todd Gurley just signed an extension. Brandon Cooks just signed an extension. And guess what? Their contracts are killer. They're killer. I mean, they're not going anywhere. I, I, I don't even have words for it. So let's look at something more positive here, okay? Because we've, we're spending time kind of beating down these other points of view, and we're offering very little in terms of solutions. I think it's time we head down that path. The Rams have a crazy amount of free agents this year. Uh, some of them are very... Some of them we can do without. They won't be back no matter what. Some of them are question marks, and some of them we will definitely miss. Beginning at the top here in terms of pay, 
Our list is Ndamukong Sue, LaMarcus Joyner, Roger Saffold, Dante Fowler Jr., Dominic Easley, Matt Longacre, Ethan Westbrook, Sam Shields, Sean Mannion, C.J. Anderson, Ramick Wilson, Troy Hill, Malcolm Brown, Bryce Hager, JoJo Natson, Dominic Hatfield, Corey Littleton, he's a restricted free, uh, restricted free agent, Blake Countess, Kevin Peterson, who we lost to an ACL injury in, in camp, Morgan Fox, he's restricted, Kadero Hodge, Garrett Sickles, J.J. Dealman, Henry Krieger-Kobel, and Carlos Thompson. Going down that list, I guess the first thing I'll ask you is, do they keep Sue? Yeah, it makes it, out of the other top four names you mentioned, it becomes it makes it really difficult to keep one of those other guys, or even uh, let alone two. I I mean I'm not I know Sue has said since the Super Bowl that he loves playing next to Aaron Donald and loves playing with what Wade Phillips and the rest of the defense. So maybe he'd take a discount. I I mean given some of the deals and what he could probably get on the open market, I don't see it happening though. I just don't think with all the guys the Rams need to bring back, and there's some other restricted free agents, I believe Malcolm Brown, Troy Hill, but those guys are, you know, their deals aren't even in the ballpark of what Sue's getting. Uh, just starting as a kind of early look at this, I haven't broken it down too much in my uh, mind, but just taking this initial look, it would become a lot more difficult to bring back some of the other key pieces if they do bring back Sue at a similar number. But, you know, that's what Michael Sue was saying last time. He thinks that Sue will take a pay cut. I hope so. And so let's let's frame it this way. Let's say Sue, in an attempt to win a Super Bowl, because he's made his money, that was Michael Stewart's thought process. Let's say Sue took a two-year, $18 million contract. So not a year. That, you, I mean, then, uh, yeah, it could work. I mean, Joyner would probably be the guy that's out the door if that happens, right? Just kind of taking a... Oh look, it's it, it's almost if the num even at nine and say Joiner's around eleven, like it's almost one or the other. If not, they, they'd have to do some gymnastics. I'm not sure how it would exactly work out, but it kind of just feels like early on looking at this that it's would be Sue or Joiner. And if you want to keep both, then say goodbye to three or four other guys. And I I don't think Joiner's back. I, you know they he would have to he would have to be willing to take a cut in a way that a guy who just got franchised wouldn't want to take. He's still, he's in his prime 28. He didn't live up to his contract last year, but he'll probably still command 10, $11 million in the open market. Probably 10. The Rams can't really pay him that. I don't see them paying him that, especially because the Rams can go get a safety in the draft. I'm willing to mm-hmm. bet they do. And there are other cities available too. Finding a, a, a solid offensive tackle though, to put next to Donald's a little bit harder. Mm-hmm. Especially the way Sue played down the stretch. Now, if we're talking regular season Sue, then we got a problem because <laughs> he didn't really figure it out. I think until towards the end, but he did figure it out. He was very good in the Super Bowl. No, I mean, yeah, Sue was critical to the Rams the whole entire playoff run, as you mentioned. I know a lot of commentators have said made that point, but yeah, if, even if he's not playing like that throughout the entire regular season, you see how critical during a playoff run with what beside Aaron Donald, that's a really tough duo to handle inside. Um, so yeah, like you said, Joyner's probably the guy 
looking at this that isn't going to work out. Uh, Saffold, you know, he might, he'll probably sign for less than his uh, 6.2 from last season, but conversely, Fowler is going to probably jump. I wonder if the Rams look at some of the other edge guys and see if they end up getting priced out from Fowler. I, I would love to have him back. I, I know at times uh, fans were a little bit critical of him, but at other times he made huge plays. Obviously, the biggest one that jumps out in my mind is the NFC Championship mm-hmm. game interception. But he had some other critical moments. And when he was still in the on the Jaguars, he had a strip sack of Tom Brady when Jacksonville won their Super Bowl of Week 2 or whatever people called it afterward. <laughs> um, so I would love to have him back, but I wonder if he's another guy that they look at some of the options. I believe Bill Barnwell from ESPN, he tried to make the case that I don't know how exactly how this would work out, but Clay Matthews with his price tag, I know his injury history isn't something you want to rely on, but that would be a kind of temporary fix if Fowler does leave. Because if you're, if you're going to bring back Sue, uh, you're, you are going to have to find guys that are a little bit cheaper to fill out these other spots. Well, well if you don't bring back Joyner, and you're going to make some other cuts here. Like they're, they're going to cut Barron. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure they're going to cut Barron. Okay. Um, of course, I thought that last year, and I want to be wrong. But at this point, as ineffective as he was at times this year, the ease of, of being able to cut him or restructure, I think he's gone. So I, you can sign Sue. You can let Joiner go. I disagree on Saffo. I think he's going to command more money. I mean, we're already hearing that. I, I happen to think though he will take a hometown discount, but it's not going to be at six point two. We're probably mm-hmm. talking eight or nine range. And here's the question about Fowler though: you know he was a former first round pick, underperformed in Jacksonville, did okay with the Rams. What kind of market will he have for a guy who's yet to prove himself in the NFL? That's I like him. Don't get me wrong; I'm not trashing. Him. I'm just saying I'm not so sure the market will be as big for him as possible unless you're unless someone's willing to overpay for him. Being able to rush the passer is obviously such a huge thing, but like you like you just mentioned, you make a great point because there are some star pass rushers that a lot of guys are going to either be tagged like D Ford and Demarcus Lawrence potentially, but there is a, one of the more uh, deep uh, edge rushing free agent classes this year, so that mm-hmm. could hurt his value a bit. Um, yeah, just on your Baron point, I, I just pulled up that whole uh, if they. Uh, drop him their cap savings is just under eight million so that, yeah, that's huge that's huge to kind of wrap my head around you know work working saffold and uh sue and pot- potentially Fowler, like you said depending on the market out there so yeah the cap right now our, our cap space ranges from 28 mil 32 mil uh depending if you're talking about the the top 51 and draft pick setting okay so you add eight mil to that now you're at 36 to, what is it, 40? Mm-hmm. Am, I, am, I, am, I, am I thinking this wrong? 37 to 41, something like okay. that. Okay, so uh, to me that makes sense now that you can start talking, hey, and don't forget, the Rams made all kinds of moves last year, and they had roughly the same cap space at one point, about 39 to $40 million. Uh, so the one thing the Rams have always been good at, especially counting them off, is they work wonders with contracts. You'll see restructuring here, restructuring there. Uh, you can't always say that Demoff has been the world's best in the front office, but in terms of working math, he's always found a way. It blows my mind how good the guy is with the, with the salary cap numbers. 
So, all right, folks, it's getting late here, and we have several more free agents to go through, including Dominic Easley, Matt Longacre, Ethan Westbrook, Sam Shields, all those guys, C.J. Anderson. We're going to catch them up the next show. You know, I'm going to start falling asleep here. I'm getting old and decrepit. I'm not as old as Norm is, but, you know, I'm getting there. And uh, Dylan here has you know, had a long day at work as well, so it's time to let, time to let you go. Um, hey, if you want to sponsor us, we have several shows and several openings. Reach out to us at ramstalk1945 at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 657-666-5453. We have our media kit ready to get out to you. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at TalkRams and on Facebook at Facebook.com. You can find me on Twitter at uh, DC Apollo. You can find Dylan here at Dylan, Re- Dylan Reagan 25 on Twitter. Don't forget us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, all those places. And of course, iBeatRadio.com plays our shows Wednesdays, Saturdays, and Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific time. Dylan, last shot. Any final comments for the show today? No final comments for now. We'll uh, excited to dive more into this next week, though. We're gonna, we'll pick it up, folks. Thanks for showing up tonight. Let's do our rambling about about salary caps and golf and you name it. We'll be back again here in a few days. Take it easy and, well, go Rams. control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. The in-dash OLED display in the Cadillac Escalade has 38 total diagonal inches of color display. So why do we give it a curve, too? I guess you could say we like to bend the rules. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.